Sundays of prayer. Uh, if you're new to City Hills, every January and August we take 21 days and we meet together for focused prayer. We sort of just reorient our lives as the seasons of our lives change. January, a brand new year. In January we pray and fast together, the whole church. And then in August we pray and feast together. Everybody like... Like, like donuts kind of feasting when you pray. And uh, we meet Monday through Friday. We'll do it again this week. We're on week number two of 21 days. Monday through Friday we meet at 6 o'clock in the morning at our ministry center. All the information is right on our, front, uh, on our website. Right on the front page you can find address and directions and all that. It's literally across the interstate from where we currently are in this building. And uh, we meet there. We worship together. We have focused prayer. We have a word together. There's prayer guides for you, for your kids and and. And if you'll be there, we start right at 6 o'clock, and if you'll give us that, if you'll, if you'll say you know, yes to well, however many days that you can, and just putting God first at the first part of your day, uh, we promise to get you out your back in your car by 6.50 on your way to school or work or wherever it is you need to be. And then on Saturdays, we're there at 9 o'clock, so you sleep in a little bit, 9 to 9.50, we worship together. Yesterday was packed with so many people, so many people bringing their whole families and praying together and just... Just sort of recalibrating our lives. I need that every once in a while. I need to just refocus. And, and so let me just ask you to make that commitment. I'm asking this whole church, if you can't join us here uh, every day, join us as many days as you can, a couple of times a week. Just make a special effort to give God your very best in prayer, and it's going to work. And in the middle of this 21 days of prayer, we are preaching a message series about uh, what happens when we pray. So uh, at City Hills we take a topic or a book of the Bible uh, and, and we'll take three or four weeks, five weeks and we'll sort of you know, talk about that the whole time uh, and, and really dive deep into that. And so we're right in the middle of that series called When We Pray. Asking God uh, for some big things and really asking God to teach us how to pray. We're looking at some prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed. If you're new to the Bible, uh, Paul is an apostle which just means a church planter. He planted churches all around uh, his known world and then would write letters to those churches that he had planted. Most of your New Testament in your Bible are, are those letters that he wrote. And Paul would have this, he had this very interesting uh, rhythm that when he would write to a church, he would say, I'm praying for you about this. You know, fill in the blank. I, I pray that. And then it would be this thing that I'm praying for. And then he would say, so that, and then he would sort of give them the reason or like the benefit of adding this prayer uh, for this church. And so we're looking at these prayers where he says, I pray so that, and, and I want you to add these prayers to your prayer list. I actually, I really want you to, after the next, in these four weeks, I want you to add everything that we talk about to your daily prayer list. If Paul said, these are so vitally important in your life, I want you to add these to your daily consistent prayer list. And today is a very, very special one. Paul prayed for a very specific thing. And Jesus actually prayed for a, the, the same thing and almost word for word. Like it's very similar. Jesus prays it. Paul prays it. I think you and I ought to pray it. Amen, everybody? Like I think, I think it's super important. I'm going to give you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this is not a good uh, preaching uh, tactic, but I'm going to give you the whole message in this one word, and then hopefully you won't fall asleep and let me preach it to you for the next half an hour. But it's this, Paul prayed and Jesus prayed for unity. They prayed for unity. It was the one thing that they, bo they both had the exact same prayer. Unity in, in the church, like in the local church. Unity in the body of Christ, kind of the big C church. And, and, and unity in the church globally. and Unity in your family. And 
Unity in your marriage. It's not God's will for you to be divided in your marriage and your kids going one way and you know mom and dad going a different way. Just unity in, in, in the church. And th- that Paul prayed this way. Jesus prayed this way. And I really want you to, add, hopefully in the next few moments, I wanna, I'm going to help you add it to your, the top of your prayer list that you see the value in praying for unity and fighting for unity uh, in your prayer life. How many of you would be honest? You're not going to hurt my feelings. How many of you would be honest? And say that at some point you've heard some you've heard other Christians criticize or question or talk bad about about our church. Would you just raise your hand and say you're not going to hurt my feelings? Say I've heard somebody talk about it. Raise your hands all the way up. How's you? I was lying. That hurt my feelings. I'm sorry, but that really did. Uh, so I've I've it it happens. People talk about. I've heard people say, well, they they meet in the movie theater. That crazy. What church meets in the movie theater? I like churches with stained glass. I don't, that movie theater's nasty down there, <laughs> and it is. And except for the people that got here at six o'clock this morning, they cleaned these seats you're in and mopped those bathrooms, and they cleaned. They made a space for you today. I don't like that church. That church is just a concert. They got lights everywhere. Just turn the lights on, okay? I like to worship Jesus in the light. I don't like concert church. I don't like the church is too loud. That little preacher's too crazy down there. He's good looking, but he's crazy anyway. I, I, <laughs> I don't. I, you know, this, is, this is a true story. I'm telling you, honest. I wouldn't lie to you anytime, but I'm really not lying to you right now. True story. I, we had just moved to town, Brandy and I. We didn't know a soul uh, in town, and we went to a, a local uh, restaurant that I won't tell you the name of, but it sounds like the. Uh, the singer, anyway, so we went to this new, it was the dinger, we went to the dinger, and so I was standing in line at this restaurant, and this guy in front of me, true story, had a, he had a t-shirt on for another church in town, and I said to him, you know, because like I'm a church guy, is what I do, I said, oh, I, you know, I like your church, I love your pastor, and called his pastor by name, and I, you know, so so thankful for you guys, and you know, love, love what you do, and he goes, oh, oh, do you go to church? I said, yeah, I go to church, but I, but I like talking church, so I, I didn't tell him you know, like that I was that I, we were starting a church, that I was pastor of a church. I just said, "Yeah, we go to church." He said, "What church you go to?" I said, "We go to City Hills Church." And at that time, we had just launched at Kendall Elementary. Our church is almost two years old, and we launched an elementary school just next door. And I said, well, "You know, we're we're we we meet in the elementary school, and 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 that's and that's our church." And he kind of leaned in. You know, when somebody's going to tell you something they don't want anybody to hear, and they kind of look around, like, you know, is anybody listening right now? And he kind of leaned in, and he said, "You know." I hear the pastor there is a little crazy. <laughs> I looked him right in the eyes and said, he is. I know him. I never let him off the hook. I never told him. If I see him again, I would, I would never, I would, y'all don't tell him. I just, I, I want him to, like, I've, I've heard, I, you just hear that. You hear Christians, you know, criticizing other churches and what's wrong with them and what's, what's wrong, you know, how they do what they do and other Christians in church talking about what's wrong with them and that Christian's not like me and they don't worship like me. I'm convinced, listen close, that the devil, one of his greatest, one of the greatest tactics and strategies of your spiritual enemy it's to divide. It's division. It's to divide you in your marriage. That one spouse wants to serve God and go all in and, 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 and give, you know, give everything they've got to God. And then, and then the other spouse is saying, I don't know. Let's step back. I don't know if this is all for me. And, and there's division there. I, I think he tries, to divide, uh, he tries to divide you between your kids. You, you, know, you raise your kids to do right and then, and then they're going you know, crazy. And, and, and now there's division there. And, 
and you think, you know, our, our family's not, we're not worshiping together, praying together, going to church together. And, and, and I think he does it inside of local churches, you know, that, you know, you look across the church and think, well, I, I'm better than them. I don't like them. I, I, you know, those people are weird over there. Y'all don't do that, but everybody at 930, that's the kind of people they are. And they, you know, like other churches, if the enemy can get you talking about other churches and criticizing other churches, you know, let me tell you why. Because the enemy knows that if we work together, if he can get your marriage unified, your family unified, this church unified, or the body of Christ in this city in San Antonio, in northwest corner of San Antonio, if he can get us unified, then we are absolutely unstoppable. But he also knows that if he can divide you, divide your marriage, divide your family, divide this church, divide the body of Christ inside of a city, then he knows that you become weak and ineffective when you're divided. That you just that there's just there's power in unity and there's ineffectiveness and weakness in division. And so the enemy tries to divide. And Paul knows this about the churches that he's planted. So he writes a letter to the church that he plants in Rome. He actually planted a lot of churches around Rome. And he writes this letter to them in Romans 15. If you have your Bible, I want you to take good notes. If you, if you don't take good notes, look at the person next to you very judgmentally that isn't taking notes. I'm, I'm kidding a little bit a little bit about that. Write this down, Romans 15. May the God who gives endurance. So Paul writes this to the church and he says, Hey, I know what you want God to give you. I know the thing that you need from God. You need endurance and encouragement. Everybody loves when I preach endurance and encouragement. It's the, it's the biggest series we do. Matter of fact, in September, I'm already, I got to tell you this, I get so excited about what I'm preaching about. Uh, in September, we're, we're kicking off a series to bring your friends to. It's one of the... I, I'm, I'm going to tell you a few times a year where you ought to bring your friends to church, and, and this is one of the times. I'm, I'm preaching a series called Asking for a Friend, and we're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about hot topics and the questions you always wanted to ask, you're just scared to ask anybody. And so I, I love, people always love that kind of stuff. And, and so, you know, Paul goes, hey, I know that you like it when, God, you know, when I talk about endurance and encouragement, but that same God that gives you that... I want him to give you the same attitude of mind, the, the way that you think about other people toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Verse 6, so that with one mind, so that, so here's that, here's that, you know, that flow. I'm pray so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he continues, verse 7, accept one another, accept one another. Underline that in your notes. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Not any old way you can do this. Not just, not just a surface level. He said, I'm very specific about how I want you to, to embrace other Christians in this church, in this city, other people in your, in your life. I want you to accept them like Christ accepted you so that, in order so, you'll bring praise to God. He said, I, I want you to treat one another and love one another and accept one another the way Christ has loved you and accepted you and treated you. That while you were still a sinner, the Bible said, Christ died for you. In other words, God accepted you when you weren't acceptable 
And, and, and Paul said, that's how I want you to accept other people. They don't have to have it all together, look like you, smell like you, dress like you, or vote like you. But I want you to accept them because Christ accepted you when you didn't dress right, look right, talk right, smell right, or vote right. Amen, everybody. He said, I, I, I want you to accept each other that same way. And Jesus prays a prayer that sounds almost identical. John 17, Jesus prays it like this. He said, I pray, there's this same flow, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. Listen, Jesus wasn't praying for sinners right now. Now next week, one of the most powerful things, I think if Jesus had a prayer list, I think there's two things that would be on it. The first one I'm going to, I'm going to teach you next week, I think Jesus would pray for the lost. It's the first thing that it's, it's the first thing on his mind. He's distracted by people who are lost. And the second thing I think on his, on, on his mind is this. I'm I'm praying that Christians, those who believe on me, that all of them may be one. That there's unity. And then here he uses this same flow that Paul uses. So that, I pray so that, they may be brought into complete unity. And then, so he sort of gives you the effect, the cause and effect. If I can get you accepting one another, loving one another, praying for one another, treating one another this way. If I can get unity in your life then the world will know he's praying to the Father. The world will know that the Father sent me, that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Jesus said there's there's something that, that the whole world will figure out if I can get these people loving one another, accepting one another, being in unity with one another, praying for one another, treating each other, then, there's, there's, then the world's going to know the power of God, that God sent me to save them. From their sins. Amen, everybody. Paul prays for unity. Jesus prays for unity. And I want you this week in your prayer time, I want you to add this to your consistent prayer list. I want you to be praying for unity. For unity in your life, unity in your marriage, in your consistent prayer life. Last week we talked about the power of God working in you. I think you need to put that on your prayer list every single day. You need to be praying for the power of God working. You're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. We can't fight what we have to fight, do what we have to do, live through what we have to live through without the power of God working in us. But once you pray for the power of God working in you, I want you to pray for unity. I want you to pray that God would unify you and your spouse and your kids and your family and your church. There's, I, because I want the world to know that we're together. Amen, everybody? I have two children, a six-year-old, almost seven-year-old little girl, and a three-year-old who is next month turning four years old. And my little boy is shaped like a tree stump. He is as big as round as he is tall. And I don't know where he gets that. <coughs> and so he... He he kind of, they they started fighting, but they're taught they're old enough now that their car seats have changed. And if you've got if you got little kids, you know when they're little, you put them in these little car seats that are like little cages, man. You just strap them jokers in, they're not moving. You know what I'm talking about? Like they can't move. Matter of fact, for 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 like a whole year, you don't even have to look at them. You just turn them around, look at them this way right here, and you driving that way, looking at the jokers back of his head. But my kids are older now, so they have different kind of seats. My little girl's in his booster seat, or you know, little boy is in his kind of seat, little girl in a booster seat. And so they, they have more flexibility and they're longer now. So they're in the back of my car and used to, but we would strap them in these little cages and be like, ah, ah, ah just sit there and cry. Now they want to pick on one another because they can reach one another. Any parent know what I'm talking about right now. Now any car ride, whether it's to Walmart or to Waco, Texas, I want to literally go to heaven from my car. I just 
just want to say, God, take me right now. I cannot hear it, not one more minute. Because they fight constantly. And they're constantly touching one another and picking on one another like this. And they're, just, and they're mean. Anybody got mean kids? I know I met some of y'all's kids. And they're mean kids. And they, just, and they just pick on one another and fight one another. I'm telling them, you're the, I, I, I tell them all the time, you're the only brother that your sister's ever going to have because we ain't having no more. And you're the, you're the only... You're the, I don't tell them that part, but I tell y'all. You're the only sister that your brother's ever going to have. You can't fight one another like that. And I get so crazy. I'm confessing to y'all because I'm praying every morning at 6 a.m. I'm trying to get close to God, so I'm going to confess. It gets so crazy back there. At some point, I just put my hand on the wheel, and I take my short right arm, and I just start swinging as wildly as I can behind me. I'll do it for five minutes. I don't care who I hit. I don't care what, I don't care who's bleeding. I'm just hitting. Stop, stop fighting. Anybody else do that? I'll come back up. Like, I'll just blank out for a little bit. I'll come back too. I, they're like, Daddy, why'd you spank me? I don't know. You probably needed it too. I just, I'm just spanking everything I got back there. All of it. Everybody gets, gets spanked. If you don't believe in spanking, go to the first service. I didn't tell that story. <laughs> I tell them all the time, you're, you're the only sibling you're going to have. Listen, you, you're not fighting one another. Your brother or sister is not your enemy. Every once in a while, I think God wants to, if God was, I think he'd, I think he'd lean back and slap us all upside the head and say, who are you fighting right now? Why would you be fighting with one another? Why would you be talking about criticizing another church in town, another Christian in your church, another somebody in your small group? Why would y'all fight? And, well, we have a common enemy, and our enemy is not each other. It's not the church down the street. It's not another denomination. It's not another style of church. It's not another worship style. We have one enemy. And listen, that enemy's job is to steal our unity and kill our churches and destroy the body of Christ and to destroy your marriage and to destroy your relationship with your kids. He's who we're fighting. Shout amen to that. I don't know who the person preaching with me is, but you got to come back next week. We got a common enemy. And, and, and listen, we fight. Churches always talking about each other. People talking about each other. Coming to, I'm, I'm more spiritual than them. I don't like them because of, of the way they looked at me. I don't, I don't like who they are. I, I, I have more than they have. Or we, we, you know, we, we don't come from where they come from. Or I, I, we, we, you know, we're better than them. Or we got more. Or that church over there strains because of how they worship. And they, you know, it's pipe organs and it's the choirs. And that church is weird because they're loud. And Listen, if the enemy can get you focusing on the wrong enemy, he can destroy everything in your life. And, and, and Paul prayed and Jesus prayed, and I'm asking this church to pray for unity. Let me give you three reasons why I'm trying to slow down and teach. Y'all are preaching too loud. I blame you if I get too excited. Let me teach this to you. Three, three, things, three benefits. But when, you, when you pray for unity, let me tell you why. Let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you the, the reason why I'm so passionate, why I'm fighting for unity in your family, in your marriage, in this church, in this city. Let me tell you why. Here's the first one. Because we desperately need each other. We desperately need. I want you to write it down just like that. We desperately need it. This is not a simple need. I would do better if I had somebody with me. No, no, no. You won't just do better if you have somebody with me. You can't make it on your own. It is the lie of the enemy. Listen to me and look me in the eyes so you don't misquote me. It's a lie of the enemy that you can have a successful, sustaining, 
fulfilling Christian experience all by yourself. You can get saved all by yourself, but you cannot fulfill what God's plan for your life is all by yourself. We desperately need one another. I cannot do this on my own. You were designed. I was designed to be in community, to live life together. Not to just come to church late, leave early, get in my car and talk about how I got no friends. No, I'm with you. We're together. I need you. We need one another. We were designed to work together. Romans 12 says it like this. Just like your bodies. Paul gives you this, this anatomical you know, illustration. Just like your bodies has many parts. I got a hand and an arm and a shoulder and a torso. It has many parts and they all have a special function. My hand functions differently than my arm does. And my arm has to have an elbow connected to the top of my arm. I forget the song. What's the, some bones are connected. Anyway, uh, I, everything has a, everything's got a purpose in this. And you can't cut your arm off and sew it back onto your shoulder and expect it to work properly. Because everything's got a special function. So it is in Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body. Now listen close, because this is the strong part. But we belong to each other. The Bible didn't say it would be nice if you found a group of people. The Bible didn't say that's great if you can find a church you like. The Bible didn't say, you know, if, if this service, if you got your friends that come to this service with you. The Bible didn't say, it, if, if, you know, if everything lines up and you find somebody just like you. It said, no, 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 you don't understand. We belong together. Like we're supposed to be in this together. We desperately need each other. We're different. My hand is not like my foot, is not like my short legs, is not like my torso, is not like my shoulder, is not like my arm. I'm different, but I need all of it to move forward. The, the, the lie that the enemy's told you is that you have to be like everybody else to belong to everybody else. Write this down and never forget this. Unity is not uniformity. You don't have to look like me, sing like me, worship like me, have the gifts I have, the talents I have, the calling I have. You don't have to cry like I do, pray like I do, worship like I do, sing like I do, come to the church I come to. I'm not like you, but I belong to you. Because we're in this together. You don't have to be like me, uniformity, to like me in unity. And so many times people say, well, I'm different. And that, Listen, we have strength in our diversity. One of the hallmarks of this church, as long as I pastor this church, as long as God would grace us to lead the movement that is coming to the hill country in San Antonio in City Hills Church, as long as I'm here, we will be a church of diversity, multi-generational. We'll be multicultural. Everybody's not going to look like me, talk like me, vote like me, think like me. It, we're just, it's just not, if you don't like that, this is probably not your church. Because we, I think this ought to look like heaven. You don't have to look like me. We're in this together. You don't have to come from where I come from. I'm different than you, but I need you. I belong to you. I belong to you. I hope you've never heard me talk about another church. I actually, preparing for this message, I got down on my knees in my office right by myself, and I repented to God. If I've ever talked about another church in this city or another pastor in this city, they are not our enemy. Listen to me. I'm repenting to you. If, I, if you've ever heard me say anything negative about any other, th that is not our, we need one another, everybody. We're in this together. We are a part of the same body, and I need you, and you need me. Shout amen to that.
I hear preachers all the time use preacher talk and say things like this. I'm so glad we're not like all them other churches. You you ever heard a preacher say that? I'm glad we're not like all them other churches. Other preachers won't tell you this, but I will. And then they put their hand right here for some reason. Other preachers won't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. And they spit kind of like I do. That's preacher language for I'm better than all the other churches. Our doctrine's better. I'm a better preacher. I love the truth. They're all going to hell. They all believe a lie. That's really what they're saying. Listen to me. I, I, I hear people say, well, I'm, I, I love this church, but I'm not like her. I, I'm not loud like she is. Or I don't worship like that. I, I, I worship loud. You know, I don't, I don't understand all of these quiet people that just stand there with their hands like this. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm not like them. Look into my eyes. Who cares what you're not? Just be what you are. Be what God called you to be. Do what God calls you to do. We're not like every other church in town. We're like God called us to be. I don't preach like every... I tried. 20 years of ministry. You asked my wife. And she, she knows. I, I tried. I tried to calm down. I was, I was born and raised in a churchy church. Choir. Sweat. Hanky. Come on, everybody. I'm t- I, I used to tell my church. I stopped saying this, but I'm going to tell y'all. I used to t- I, I have a little black bishop that lives inside of me and he desperately wants to come out sometimes. And if Henry would ever play the organ, y'all could hear it behind me. And, 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 I, I want, and I tried. Y'all, for a couple of years, I sat on a stool. I talked real country like this because I'm from Arkansas and I talked real quiet. I just did a little Bible study and I just said, Oh God, I love y'all and you love me. And, I just tried. I tried to be a good little teacher and I tried, to, I tried to stand real still and not move so much. I tried not to stand on the chairs. I won't do it today because people are on the, the front row. I tried not to spit. I just I tried to act good. And, 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 and a few years into that, I literally, this is an honest to God truth. I just went to Brandy one day and I said, I can't do that no more. That's not who I am. It's not wrong that that's who they are, but I got to be who I am. I'm going to be who God called me to be. Listen, you don't have to push off somebody else to make yourself better. You don't have to talk about what's wrong with them. Just be who God called you to be. Just do what God called you to do. We need one another in this. We'll stand against false doctrine, but I'm not fighting other churches in this town if this church is ever going to err on any side you listen to me you remember I told you this if we're ever going to be guilty of anything it's going to be guilty of giving people a chance it's going to be guilty of being for other people not against everybody we will not be known for what we're against we're going to be known for what we're for and we're for people and for San Antonio and for marriages and for families and for God's power working in you we're for a life giving relationship with that's what we're for and I don't have to be like everybody else I need you like you are while we're over here fighting about which Bible version we preach out of there's Christians around the world that are beheaded every day for believing in the resurrection while we're over here talking about how, how, how I don't like that song and nobody spoke to me at kids check in there's a, there, there's a brother in this church who just got a phone call of a cancer diagnosis There's a sister who's lost her second child to a miscarriage. And you want to fight about style? We need each other. We need each other. Everybody's broken. Look around here. This is not a holy huddle. This is a hospital. Now there may be people that got to the hospital 
before you did and they seem to look a little bit better but they're still in the hospital everybody everybody's in the hospital you may have just got here from a tragic car wreck and your marriage took a detour and crashed everywhere and there's smoke and burns and hurt and I may have got here a few weeks ago and I'm on the mend but this is a hospital and everybody's here for the same reason and we need one another we desperately need each other shout amen if you believe it like that We need perspective. Come on, the world is different than just... I'm the most patriotic. Listen, I'm a Texan preacher. I drive an F-150 and I stand up and salute the... I'm red, white, and blue. I I am. I'm patriotic. You'll not find another patriotic. But Jesus did not just die for America. He died for Japan and Nigeria and Somalia and Rwanda and Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and Uganda and Korea and Ecuador and Mexico. And this church will always be for... We will not talk about us and what's wrong with me. We're for men and women and kids and rich people and poor people and blacks and whites and brown and every denomination and every language. We need each other. Do you believe it like I'm preaching it to you? We need one another. You need, I need you. When you pray for unity, you realize I, I, I can't do this on my hand. i got to give you the second reason. My clock is gone, by the way, tech team, so I'm, I'm going to preach till about 2 or 2.30. <laughs> here's, 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 the second reason, here's the second reason why. When you pray for unity, because the world will see God's love. The, the world will see God's love when we pray for unity. Verse 7 of Romans 15 said, Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. That's a Greek, the, the Greek word for accept one another right there is not, is not just I go to church with you and I see you in the parking lot. That's not the same thing. It's not I, I come to service. I, I, I'll go to church with you, but I'm not going to invest in your life. I don't even know your kids' names. I don't know anything about your life. I, I told Brandy, uh, the longer I do what I do, I'll... I, I, I want to do life with people who know my kids and, 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 and know their names. I, I want people who love me and who, who re- this is more than just accept one another's more than just we go to the same service. The, the actual Greek definition is a big picture and it literally translated means you put your arms around the other person and draw them close to you. And then when you're together, you walk hand in hand in the same direction. That's a whole lot to just say accept one another. But that's what Paul really meant. He didn't just mean I accept you because you come here. I accept you because you know we, we go to the same service, we go to the same church, but I don't know your life. No, no, no. He said, I want you to put your arms around one another and walk together. I want you, I want you to walk, I want you to love one another. I want you to be known for what you're for. I want you to be a church for all people, broken people, hurting people. I want you to, I want you to accept one another. And when you do, listen. Jesus said it like this, when you do in John 13, a new command I give you. I always find it interesting that it was a brand new thought. (laughs) A new command, love one another. Not shallow surface level high five at church. No, I want you to love one another like I have loved you. So you must love one another. And if you do, by this... Everybody will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. 
People will not know, listen to me, the amazing story of City Hills and the hundreds and hundreds of people that in the last two years their marriages have been saved. They, they, their addictions have been broken. They've found a life-giving relationship with Jesus. They, they've come out of loneliness and depression and suicidal thoughts and, and they found a family and a home and we've, we've baptized over a hundred and people, hundreds have given their hearts to Jesus just since we started this. We're just getting started, everybody. We're just... We're not not even two years old yet. All of those people know, listen, all of those people know we will not, this church will not make a name for itself by our doctrine, by our denomination, by our style of worship, by our preaching, by our kids' ministry, or by the correct version of the Bible that we use. We will be known in this city because we love one another. That's what stands out to people. That's what the world's looking for. They're looking for Christians that don't fight each other on Facebook, but that pray for one another. They're looking for real connection, real family, real, real I'm, I'm in this with you. And when that happens, listen, when that happens, the world, the world will know that we belong to Him. Here's the third, here's the third reason, write this down and we'll pray. The third reason why I think you need to pray for unity and we need it so desperately is because we can do infinitely more together than we can apart. The first reason is because we desperately need one another. Don't fool yourself into thinking all of those Facebook friends. You Look into my eyes. I know we call them Facebook friends, but they're not friends if you don't know them. The, I, I think the enemy is using a tool that, that, that can be very positive and meant for good to convince a whole generation of people that they're alone and isolated and no one cares about them. You know why suicide rates are up in children? You, 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 know, why, you know why depression and anxiety medications are prescribed more 10 to 1 than they were decades ago? Let me tell you why. Because we've convinced ourselves that we're connected to people on a device or a screen and we have no real connection with humanity. Listen to me. No, none of those, I will go ahead and preach this. None of those Facebook friends are going to stand with you in the waiting room while your mother has surgery for cancer. None of those Facebook friends are going to stand over an open grave when you bury your father. You need somebody in your life that can love you and pray for you and do life with you and you need to be that for somebody else. We need each other. We need each other and the world needs to see our love together. And here's the last one. We, we can do more when we are together. The first century church can play Henry. The first century church didn't have Facebook or television or fundraisers or none of that. They didn't have anything we had to... They, they couldn't rent a movie theater. They didn't have all of this. And they had real persecution, by the way. They were losing their lives for believing in the resurrection of Jesus. They, did, they weren't just persecuted like somebody didn't shake their hand at church. They had real persecution. And, and even though they didn't have what we have and they had worse than what we have... They changed the world. How? I'm going to show you how. This, this literally shook my world preparing for this message for you. Let me tell you how they changed the world without all of that stuff you and I have. Acts 4 says it like this. That all the believers, that first century church, they were in one heart and one mind. Now here's the crazy part. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know if I fully understand how. Nobody claimed that any of their possessions were their own. They shared everything they had. If I got a car, you got a car. Bring it back clean. Come on, somebody. If I, my house is your house. 
If, if I've got food, you've got food. They shared everything. The radical unity of the first century church without technology, without a printing press, without television, without the internet. They changed the known world and spread the message of Jesus. And this is how. This radical unity. In God's grace, this part got me so strong. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them when they got together in unity that there were no needy persons among them. I want you to I want you to wrap your mind around a world where there's no needy persons around you. Wrap your mind around a neighborhood where all of the kids are cared for. Wrap your mind around a workplace where everybody's prayed for and cared for. And, and when somebody loses their job, there's somebody there to pick them up. They're, they never miss a light meal, a, a, a light bill. They, they, they never miss a meal. They, they never miss a mortgage payment. That's the kind of, I'm telling you, I don't fully understand it, but that's what they lived. That's what happens when you go all in in unity. Imagine what would happen today if churches in, around the world would, do, would live this way. Imagine what would happen if, 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 if Christians just got sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus and they started living out. They want to see the love of Jesus in action. You, we're not fighting with one another, bickering with one another, talking about one another, pointing our fingers at one another. We started living this radical generation. Imagine. Imagine if today in church, every nation, every city, every church, billions of Christians, if we stood together and we said we exist for the glory of God and not for ourselves and we're going to live this way in unity, not pointing our fingers, talking about, we're going to live together. Let me tell you what I think would happen. I don't know. This is just my thoughts. If every church around the world lived that way, by Monday morning, I think starvation would be eliminated all around the world. By Tuesday morning, I think every person would have clean drinking water on the face of planet earth. I think by Wednesday morning, every bit of poverty in every nation and every tribe and every corner of the world would be eradicated. By Thursday morning, every medical need in, in the world, anybody who needed anything medically, their need would be met. By Friday, every orphan in every corner of the world would have a caring and a loving family to call their own. By Saturday, if every church on, on the planet, if every Christian in the world lived this way, by Saturday, every single person alive would have heard about the love of Jesus Christ. And next Sunday, we would all get together in our churches. We would take a break and we would worship God and give ourselves to Him again under one name, serving one God with one purpose. I'm in this with you. I need you in this. You're not my enemy. We're together. Pray for unity. Come on, church. Protect it. Protect it in your marriage. Protect it in your family. Protect it in this church. Protect it in, I'm, I'm here for, protect it in this city. We're not competing with any, I'm here. I'm, I need you. The world's watching us. They'll be known, we'll be known by our love for one another. We can do infinitely more.